There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right. Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to face this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. One step in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time, honeymoon time, not having to listen to my co-workers time, turning off my phone for the first time in probably a decade time. I'll probably come back from this honeymoon with a wife who wants to have the thing annulled already time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker with the full crew today. So it's myself, I'll go counterclockwise. We'll go Pat Brown, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, Grant Ramey, Fort Rucker Studio, where we are recording this right now, but as you listen to this, I will not be in this country. I'm going to a place where I can turn off my phone and promised that I would do that, so... Leave us alone. That's true. I was about to say, I want you to just stay there, but then... That wouldn't be fair. I want to. I want to go away too. Here, here's my plan. Do you know how many times? Like, here's a little inside baseball story before we get to this real quick. Every week, uh, or basically every day, the GoVols 24/7 uh, iMessage chat throughout the day is the most preposterously long thing that exists, and it's like a marathon being run every day, but at a sprint pace, and oftentimes. Ramey, because he's got, what, five or six kids now? How many kids do you have? Two. Two. Uh, he is... <laughs> Might as well be five or six. He has to get up super early in the morning, so he usually goes to bed before the rest of us. And we play a fun game, Grant does, called When I Wake Up, How Many Text Messages Will Be On My Phone? What is the record, Grant? Uh, like 272. Yeah. <laughs> 272, one night. I, we're gonna, I guess we're going to get to see how many uh, text messages you come back to. Well, see, I, the thing is I have to check it once... A day, probably. I'm going to turn on my phone once a day to make sure nothing Dude, died. Dude, turn your phone off yeah. the whole week. I said man. turning it on one time a day just to make sure. Hold on. You're out of the country. Unless you have an international plan, it ought to be not working anyway. Wi-Fi at the hotel, so I'm sure iMessages will come in. Basically, what I'm doing is this. I'm turning my phone on, like, once a day real quick just to see, like, if any friends or family texted anything that was really important or something big happened or, you know. Every text message to, from us to you is important. So what I'm going to do is... I haven't decided whether I'm going to every day write down how many it was or it just for one week. Total it up. Because I want y'all to keep me on the text thread while I'm gone. Yeah. Just so I can come back to see how many of them there are and if my phone, like, will even work. Yeah. So that's what just, we're going to do. Just don't turn your phone on. But if... Once a day. To no. See if anything zero happens. times. Zero times. Turn off when you get to the resort. Turn it back on when you land back in America. But the bottom line is, if you're listening to this now, Wes is gone. He's out of the country. Yeah. Hopefully, he's never coming back. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. But it's true. There's a lot of people who probably we hate it. him because he's gone off on a you know, at a beach in an all-inclusive resort. Yeah. But, but we're not like, upset. Don't come that, back. But we're not upset that he's not here. So maybe well, a little, fair. maybe a little upset. That's fair. Ryan will miss you the most, probably. Absolutely. 
I did wait the other day for Ryan's birthday. I intentionally waited until it was 30 minutes past his birthday before wishing him birth happy birthday publicly because that's just what I thought would be funny to do. So that's what I did. So here's what we're doing. Hashtag BFF. Uh, Ryan, you can, you can set this up. Well, yeah, I, I just was thinking. Here's your idea. I, I just was thinking, you know what? Wes, well, we, we were making jokes actually recently because you, you went on a trip, sort of a not, not a bachelor party. You went on I'm a trip. too old for a bachelor party. My brother and I went to watch some Cubs games and play golf and drink beer. Yeah, so, so kind of piggybacking off of that and just thinking, well, Wes's wild days are long behind him. I just kind of thought in a Tennessee context, we've seen some pretty wild things, and you have certainly during your, what, nearly 20 years around the program? What's that family guy quote, Grant? I've seen some things, man, and some and stuff. Some stuff. So, yeah, you've seen some things, and uh, we could probably, like, we, we had a pretty pretty fun podcast last year, I thought, where we discussed some of the, the, the craziest games we've covered or the most entertaining games or most exciting or whatever. So I thought, man, counting the off-field stuff, you know, people have asked you before, you, when are you going to write a book? Um, just because there's so okay. much stuff we've seen. So I said, let's, let's discuss some of the wildest stuff we've seen at Tennessee in honor of Wes's wild days being long behind him now. And, and here... here I'm going to quickly run down the list that we came up with just because this takes up a full legal pad and I bet it's not even half of what will come up while we're in conversation yeah. talking about other things. Here we go. Uh, uh, the, this is the list so far. Uh, Lane Kiffin press conference. When he left Tennessee, that mm-hmm. is. And the fallout. Yeah. Arkansas 6 OT win. You're in our building. Bama 5 OT win with the fourth and Baton pass. Uh, Fulmer SEC media days getting a subpoena. Uh, John Curry and the coaching search that turned into an AD search that well, again turned back into a coaching search. Uh, there would be uh, everything Bruce Pearl related from the tornado of activity that he was at Tennessee to the way that it ended in uh, ignominy. Hey, you say tornado. It's not. It's only vaguely Tennessee related, but how about being at the SEC tournament during a tornado? <laughs> that's another one. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So I was in the stands for that one. We're yeah. going to add that to, uh, yeah, SEC tourney being – I was covering that game the – Mississippi Alabama, uh, Mississippi State Alabama game. Where I was like, "That's why is that so loud? Why is the scoreboard? Oh my God, the scoreboard's moving! What's happening?" I was, was right what, there, and a, a stuff wash, falling from the uh, ceiling. Yeah, a washer or a bolt. The one. If you go back, if anyone DVR'd that game, if you see it, Tim Brando is doing the the color uh, or play by play for that game. Holds up like a washer or uh, like a nut or a bolt that had fallen down from the yeah. ceiling or from yeah. the scoreboard and smacked into a table and cracked a table. That actually hit my table, and he was sitting in the table in front of me, and that's the one that he put on uh, the TV to show people that things a, were falling from the ceiling. A precursor of your, of, of your luck to come. That's right. And here's something else. <laughs> uh, I, uh, on top of that, I would add in the SEC tournament games after that that were played at Georgia Tech in front of next to nobody because that's one of the most bizarre things I've seen. And I, did you cover any of those games? Which where one? Ten, where Tennessee played in the semifinals well, that Georgia year? Played Georgia played two Georgia games Tech. in a day. Yeah, because that's when uh, yeah, Georgia uh, played a doubleheader. That's yeah. when that's when Tyler Smith dunked on Stephen Hill, the seven yeah. footer, and just Bob Beeman and went and right that, over the top. Of and that to me is one of the most bizarre sporting <laughs> events I've watched. But then Stephen Hill got the last laugh. Yeah, and and yeah, and Stephen Hill who always looked like. Uh, kid who was like oh, i want to paint dad i don't want to play basketball but his dad's like you're seven feet tall you're playing basketball that's what stephen hill he always reminded me of the of like the the brother uh from wedding crashers yeah you know it was like play football i don't want to that that kid uh, i also did not initially write down but i just wrote down kellen winslow soldier mm-hmm. which is i asked him a question right was before high school he went crazy Wes is old i i asked him the question that it was one or two questions later I was the one who changed the topic that got him eventually going crazy. So I can take some credit for that one. That was fun. Uh, Former SEC Media Days, subpoena, Curry, and the John Curry and the coaching search, Bruce Pearl. Uh, Donnie Tindall, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I didn't mention this on here, but Donnie Tyndall's really funny Twitter follows and retweets of like nature pictures and things that he always was. It was like a scaled down version of, of Mike Leach's Twitter account. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, winning the SEC Hoops Championship last year, which no one saw coming. Jawan Jennings, Hail Mary. Uh, another one I can take a little bit of credit for here. Butch Jones, Champions of Life. He did blame me for that one. You're welcome, Butch. Uh, <laughs> Derek Dooley and everything included with Derek Dooley. Uh, the Rommel, press conferences, mostly. Rommel press conference. Uh, <laughs> shower discipline. Shower discipline. Uh, you know, what's your name? Yes, sir. Um, the uh, p- not having anyone back there to go catch a punt because uh, no one could do it. Uh, that one was pretty good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the the LSU game, his first season, has to be on here, right? Yeah, the LSU. Oh, yes. Yeah, the L- no, I, I've got in there. Hey, I was in the stands for that one, too. I've got, <laughs> I LSU, no I've got LSU redo slash UNC and the coaching and, and the rules changes that came after that. Uh, let's see here. Going uh, after Tennessee lost a football game 38-3, I believe, to Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Uh, a drunk Ole Miss fan somehow got into the press conference and was asking questions. Cup in hand. Yeah, yep. bourbon cup in, cup in hand. It was it was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, groomers and all things related to groomers, uh, including the infamous dinner that was not at Calhoun's. Uh, that was on there. Here's another one that I did not initially write down, but I just wrote down. Uh, Bar Knoxville. Uh, oh, yeah. 30 players involved in a fight. And, New Keese and, and the owner. And all that stuff, yeah, too. New Keese, the Richardson, and the pellet gun. So... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's breakly let, let's quickly discuss here. How is there a way to rank or to you know trying to rank them is impossible. Let's try to pick out the two or three in everyone's opinion the two or three craziest things that have happened with Tennessee athletics since I started covering it in two thousand. Yeah, I, well, I'm going to throw one more in there that you may not have been as involved in. I know I, I got to go to it only because I was working for the student paper in college at the time. But the Tennessee LSU game that was moved to Monday night yeah. because of the hurricane and no, like even the sports writers who traveled to that game couldn't get hotels in the area. Had to drive back to Jackson, Mississippi, and stuff to just to stay somewhere for the night. There were hardly any Tennessee fans in the stands that night because of the circumstances. It was a a strange game, and on top of all that, Tennessee comes back from down 21 nothing to win in overtime, and Rick Clawson throws the ball into the LSU student section because he went to LSU before that, and it was a, it was kind of a wild game. So that, that one stands out to me too, but I think there are some way ahead of that on this list. Well, I, I think the biggest ones have to be the Lane Kiffin press conference. Oh, you didn't mention one I nominated too. <coughs> I thought the press conference with all of the Tennessee coaches – after the Title IX nonsense that was just, came. Oh, yeah. That was just bizarre. Yeah, that, that whole press conference with just all of them trying to explain why the culture at Tennessee wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be was one of the strangest things I've ever covered. I, I don't know what and was going Rick on. Rick Barnes basically being the spokesman despite <laughs> yeah. being there like 15 minutes yeah, it, it's coaching c- basketball. It, the funny thing is pe- people always talk about things that happen and you'll never forget where you were when it happened, like in the extreme situation, it'd be like, you know, the Kennedy, you know, assassination or something like that. Like every, you know, nine 11, like certain things when they happen, everybody remembers exactly where they were, what they were doing. And on a much, all, all of these things pale in comparison to some of the stuff I just mentioned. However, with every single thing on this list, I can remember where I was. Yeah. And oftentimes it was five feet from where it was happening or in some cases closer than that to what, was happening so like, that, that's like why you're, this will be interesting. you're in the infamous kiffin press conference video that still gets circulated on youtube right yeah and, and cussing in it which i don't think you can hear <laughs> but 
the the big deal was one of the local TV guys here. He's no longer around, right? Yeah, he won some kind of award for you know freedom of the press or whatever, trying to keep everything open, and he, he won some award for this. He wanted the press conference to be on video because Kiffin was yeah. trying to dictate the terms of the video and not allow video cameras to be running during it, and he was adamant that no, we're. You, I mean, we're not going to turn off the cameras. I had two brains on for this one. One, journalistically, hey, man, I'm in the foxhole with you. Yeah, let's, I understand what you're doing here. Uh, on the other hand, uh, this was happening when we still had to do newspapers. We still had to do newspaper deadlines, and we had deadlines to meet. And so I, this thing, like the, the discussion on whether or not, like USC's plane is sitting there in Knoxville, you know, getting ready to take him back. So everyone's kind of just wanting to get this done and, and, and get on with it. And Bud Ford, God bless him, tried to get something for us because he always tried. And, he, and coaches usually don't talk yeah, in that situation. It was they really, don't have to. It was kind of awkward, but, but Lane Kiffin wanted to talk, but he wanted to talk on his own terms. And so the bottom line is I eventually got sick of this guy. His name was Bill Shorey, right? Yeah, nice guy. Never had a problem with him. He was right. But at the same time, I needed to get a story in. Yeah. So we were trying to do it, and I basically said, I'm paraphrasing this. I, I basically said, oh, my God. <laughs> Will someone tell Walter effing Cronkite over there to shut up? Some of us are trying to work. <laughs> and I said it, and I had to have been, because I remember saying it pretty loud. And thankfully, that part of it, I don't think you can hear it on the camera, which is good on like the video, the infamous video that, that emerged later where people actually had cameras rolling. Yeah. And I, I was terrified. Who once, had the camera rolling, by the way? I, Shout out to that person. Someone had and it, but it didn't How show up. How different would that moment have been now, oh almost God. 10 years later, with all the video, you know, everyone holding out their phone, recording it? I mean, that would have been so different but, compared but it, to then. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't show up until later, like well after the fact. Yeah. But Bud I, Ford in there saying, it's our building. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and we were saying, no, it's a public property, yada, yada. And, and so I had, there was a nauseous feeling in the pit of my stomach when I saw that there was video from that because I went, oh, no, oh, no. The guy who won some sort of a National Journalism Award, in that video, I'm going to be confronting it, calling him Walter effing Cronkite and telling him to shut up because we're trying to get this over with. And so, so that that was technically Walter Cronkite probably won a lot of awards. So you were showing good foresight. See, yeah, yeah. I was saying you're the next Walter effing Cronkite. My favorite part of that that infamous video is that when it's all finally gets resolved and Kiffin walks in, and you hear like 15 recorders getting slid across that table. People just people just chuck it. Like get this over with. Everybody's like, uh, I mean, they're just on edge and you know grumpy and angry, and it's late at night, and you're like. All that stuff. And you couldn't miss it because you didn't know how much it was going to say either. Yeah, I mean, that, that has to be near the top of the list because... You got rioting outside, basically? And at that point, hey, Tennessee... Hey, who, who was in that crowd? Tennessee wasn't, were. wasn't really crazy at that point. <laughs> My future uh, wife wasn't actually, Phil, was, Fulmer, was actually in that crowd. So was I. Phil Fulmer had been there since the start of time, Yep, basically. This is a year after his firing. And they fire him, and they take a chance on Lane Kiffin. Couldn't have been any more polar opposite of what Tennessee was at the time. And it had kind of gone well. Like he's probably going to get you in trouble, but he seems like a pretty good football coach. And then he just leaves, and yeah. it, he leaves in the middle of the night. And there's this crazy press conference setting where there's a bunch of stuff happening outside. Kids are trying to burn a mattress outside of no, they they league. burned it. I saw yeah. it. Yeah, t-shirts. I wa- I watched from the second 
floor of Stokely. There was a door open, so we went up the stairs just so we could watch everybody in the street and what they were doing. And we got threatened to be arrested because we had went in Stokely to watch. Like it made no sense. But it, I mean, that's got to be because that's when the crazy started. I remember the crowd thought that like they were going to like keep Kiffin from leaving the complex, and so you're in between. Going like, to hold him hostage. You're in between <laughs> Stokely <laughs> and the complex. Decides to change his mind. There's like two streets on each end of it, and every time a car would drive by, like the crowd would just start like running over to that end just to see like ah oh, it's it might be Lane and. <laughs> I remember Eric Berry told a story at a at a Times Free Press uh, event a few years ago, where he said he remembers uh, talking to Monty Kiffin that night, and Monty was scared to leave because he was like, he he was scared to leave Monty, because of the who crowd. Monty admitted they should not have left, and, and Eric was like, they they don't want you, they want your son. It's just like you know, and and the uh, on the reason that I. But yeah, that's got to be that's got to be that a, that's got to be probably at the top of the list for because me. I remember I was trying to get new tires for my car and I had to go to three places before somebody actually had like the tires that I needed to put on the car. And the car was like up on the jack, like they were finally putting the tires on. And I got a call from a buddy on the West coast, uh, covered a, a, a pack pack 12. Now works for ESPN now. And he said, bro, they're going to hire Lane Kiffin. And I basically said, dude, you're out of your effing mind. He's like eighth on their list. There's no way. And he went, bro, they're going to hire Lane Kiffin. And I went, I don't know, man. And while we were talking, Bruce Feldman tweeted that Tennessee or USC was going to hire Lane Kiffin. And at that point, I had to say, oh, bleep. And so I had to tell the people who were putting the tires on, listen, whatever's faster, put the new ones on, put the old ones back on. I got to go now. And they were like, so we had to hassle. And I was like, no. I don't think you understand. Tennessee, Lane Kiffin is going to USC. I need you to put some tires somewhere on this car or one of you needs to drive me to my house right now. I've got to work. And, and I'll, that, I'll never forget that. And there's a couple other things I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Uh, God bless. God bless you, Heather Harrington. When the press conference ended. What about recruiting? Lane? What does this mean for recruiting, Lane? Which just became, oh, my God, just an infamous moment there. And, and then I'll never forget, that was uh, – this was back when um, Bomani Jones still had a radio show. He's a friend of mine. He, he's, at that point, he just had a radio show in North Carolina and, and was like a, like a, also like a satellite radio, like late night thing. And I remember being a guest on his show for like 30 minutes at like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and we were talking about all this that had happened, and we were trying to put in like to context – just how crazy everything was. And there were so many things from that night, that that whole day that were just so bizarre. That would definitely be on the, that would be on the podium for me in terms yeah, of the three. It's gotta craziest. be number one. It's one or two as, for as, sure. As, as I think Grant pointed out, that started the crazy. Yeah, and from there you don't even really have to be that specific. You can just say Derek Dooley and people know kind of all the general talking points you're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Butch Jones. I mean, it's the same. That's that's the bad part of the list. You can put it in a nutshell, and everybody knows what you're talking I, about. I, I think as we get further away from it, though, I wonder if this recent coaching search 
Oh yeah, specifically Shiano Sunday. I saw. I think Grant is the one that dubbed yeah. that name. Shout out to. Grant. I think. I think it's got to be on the podium too. I think. I, I wonder if we get away, uh, the further we fan, get away from it, the more we're gonna look back and say that was a wild day. Oh yeah, and we knew like you know that the season ended the day before. Like we knew like okay, so, you know, buckle up. Sunday's gonna you know there's gonna be lots of twists and turns, and then that happened. Yeah, I look and at it that. Was just like a fan base stopped a coach from being hired. I mean, just think about that. Like it, it can be, it can be difficult to. I, I didn't, I didn't actually even go to campus that day, so I don't even, I can't even speak about how wild it was like on campus. Because that was like a month long. But I saw pictures. Basically, though. a month long ordeal. So I basically, I, I've sort of roughly compared that whole time period to like the Olympics, because it lasted for a few, like three or four weeks, whatever. It was insane all the time. Because something was happening 24-7. So no matter what time you were either paying attention to it, turning on the TV, whatever, something was happening. But still, you know, it's like every Olympics has, like, its signature moment. Whether it's, you know, like um, Michael Phelps, you know, Usain Bolt, uh, the Miracle on Ice, you know, uh, Bob Beeman. Um, there's just always, you know, obviously Jesse Owens, duh. There, there's, sort of like, iconic moments. Carrie Strug. There's these iconic moments that happen, so you can always, even though it was a three or four weeks of insanity, there's still one day where you can go, "Oh my God, that was the there craziest day." There might have been two day. days in that in that whole thing because then you have the day where John Curry disappears. Yep. And then the next morning you wake up and you know, and again one of those days where like, okay, all right, what's gonna happen? They today? hired Mike Leach and then didn't. <laughs> He's fired, and then you're like attending a press conference to see that. that yeah, that Bill whole Colmer's co- been, I mean, that whole coaching search, if you broke it down, could include three or four minute moments that could be on well, this list. It was like, I mean, there were, I mean, how many coaches were there? There was the whole Jeff Brom, yeah, report, whatever that was, report, yeah, the, you know, the irresponsible reporting yeah. that was done there. Um, it was call it what it call it what it is. I mean. You know, there were, you know, there was the, after the Shiano thing, there was, is Gundy going to say yes? Is there the whole Dave Doran? Is he going to say yes? And then, like, you know, from our standpoint, we're like, we see the light at the end of the tunnel when they see, you know, he's out talking to Mike Leach. We're like, we're going to go from covering Butch Jones to Mike Leach. And then, like, basically, an hour later, you're basically like. Basically done that night. And then you're like, wait, it's Tennessee. They're going to screw this I up. Thought the cr- <laughs> I thought, you know, <laughs> after after the, the search that ended in Butch Jones featured what I thought was one of the stranger moments when Dave Hart flew up to Louisville, got a yes, got Didn't actually got a yes from from Charlie. Yeah, but that's that's child's play compared to and, this whole past search. And then by the time the plane landed back in Knoxville without him, the answer had turned to no. Yep. <laughs> so I thought, well, but that's... But he didn't, he didn't have, uh, I don't want to say multiple signed MOUs. You know, then there was also arguments but there back were in the day. at least two or three in this coaching search that were agreed to before. Yeah, during a search when there were Tennessee higher ups arguing about whether you could hire Kyle Whittingham because he was a Mormon. There's all sorts of crazy things that have happened throughout the coaching searches. That one, that Shiano day, was unreal. And, and even I still really, think even really that whole week. Though, fans get a lot of credit sad, for that. that Sunday to that Friday. But I don't think it was the fans that really turned the tide there. And I know people are going to get upset at me. They played a big part in it. It was high-dollar people at Tennessee yeah. who revolted. Because if fans aren't happy, well, that's, that's one thing. But And it may have been the pressure from the fans that led them to do that's that. That's what I think it was. But think, they got the higher-ups at Tennessee yeah. to all of them but one or two to question this move. And there were people inside the department who were threatening to quit if this happened. Like it got nasty. Yeah, that's that what day. that's what I think happened is the donors saw the reaction. So fans did it, start it. Uh, thanks, I, uh, or so unlike a football scoop, which said I started it, which is 
oh, I'm never going to get over that. <laughs> that. You talk about a hit piece. That was a hit piece. It you was. Sh- it's more like a passing reference. Yeah, it was. It felt like a hit piece. Did, did you ever go after them on Twitter? That feels like something that should have happened. Uh, the, the I rock- did, but carefully, because I'm, I'm older and, and, and wiser and more mature now. It wasn't as big a hit piece as what was painted on The Rock about Greg Schiano. There was a whole lot of craziness from that, a whole lot of people being wrong, a whole lot of things going too far. However, I think things ended up for Tennessee the way they needed to. And then, uh, you know, kind of moving on from this, are we done talking about that? I think so. I think we covered it enough. I I think, you know, the Bruce Pearl ending, it's pretty wild. I mean, I just – that was like – I came on on the Times Free Press like midway through that season, so I was not there for uh, any of the the stuff that was announced when – you know, the NCAA is looking around when he was suspended for, what was it, eight games? Yeah. Uh, you know, but I was covering the team when, you know, they're getting on the bus to go to Charlotte for the NCAA tournament, and Mike Hamilton goes on Jimmy Himes' radio show and's like, eh, we don't know if Bruce is going to be our coach next year. Like, right before, like, they're playing NCAA yeah. tournament game. Man, you almost forget about that. And then, like – And they, that was maybe the most talented team Tennessee's <coughs> ever had. I mean, yeah, Tobias Harris, you know, Scotty Hobson. They, they were, like, a know. nine seed or eight seed. They were in an eight-nine game and got blown because out. Because the coaches were talking to their lawyers all season. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan beat them by 30. And it, in the second half, I mean, it was a total beatdown. Um, and it felt like – it felt like in the, the whole second half that it was like, all right, this is the funeral. <laughs> I mean, well, like, it's over <laughs> – and I remember, you know, Bruce did his post game, and I think a few, me and I don't know if Wes, if you were there, there was like maybe five we, or we six were there. of us, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, that were like waiting outside the locker room and waiting to get like, you know, sort of another interview with him. I missed the chance to watch Kyrie Irving play one of his few games at Duke <laughs> <laughs> to do <laughs> this because right. I was working so hard. Um, but then, like, work know, is stupid. Bruce comes out of something and he's talking. You know, he does he does the thing with you know does the thing with Andy Katz. ESPN, and then he like you know kind of just does like a really short interview with some, like me and a couple other guys and some it was TV guys. Awkward. Yeah, and it was the whole thing was just awkward, and you just felt like all right, it's over. It's you know the whole thing. As soon as that interview hit, their ways it was like all right, this is a funeral. What I remember from that entire process, and it, then there was the whole oh, like you know committee on infractions hearing. Wes, I think you were in Indianapolis. We were sitting outside <laughs> where they were doing that. I mean, we're in like this. Uh, was it a Marriott, I think? I, I remember Bruce joking with me before he walked into that meeting. He was like, well, you never write, you never call anymore, do you not, do you not love me? And I was like, bro, do you not, I'm covering all this stuff, I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but we were just la- la- laughing and all that going into it, and then walking out of it, no one was smiling walking nope. out of it. It was like, the, the you talk about like, it was almost like that, uh, not that I'm saying this was similar, but like if you see pictures of like the Jimmy Hoffa, I mean the um, uh, the the um, Teflon Don trials, you watch the Teflon Don walk in to his trials, and how he was laughing, talking to all these, you know, John Gotti was was like so smiling and laughing going in because he's always going to win these court cases, and then they said he was guilty, and he was like, oh my god, and you walked out and it wasn't a smile. It, it's just like you. This might have been. Well, after he was fired, but still, I just remember sitting in that lobby outside where they're having the committee on infractions hearing, and you know, you drive up to Indianapolis and you do all of this stuff, you stake it out, and then you get like <laughs> a two sentence comment from each of the people, each of the Tennessee reps over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like uh, I think Bruce might have talked the most, um, or maybe it was Lane. I can't remember, but you're just sitting in a lobby outside of a out of a ballroom in in, a, in a Indianapolis Marriott. That that that's just so bizarre. I remember like, trying I mean, to explain to people through that whole process. Listen, Tennessee 
is being stupid because it can't keep him and it's trying to, but you have to be in this town and you have to have lived in this town for the past five or six years to understand why Tennessee is reacting the way that it is. Because being there in this town the first couple years when he got to Tennessee and watching just how much this town felt madly, passionately in love with this man, and he could have been the mayor, still could if you ask a lot of people, even though he's coaching Auburn. Like, being here and watching him lead like a basketball revolution in this city, in this, this state, this part of the, this part of the state, and, and then having the thought of that being ripped away from these people, that's why they reacted why they did. They were doing something that was not smart, but they were doing it for the right reasons at heart because they loved the guy. For all his faults, they loved the guy. And that, to me, was trying to explain to people, you know, like on national radio shows and, and TV stuff, trying to tell people, listen, I understand why you think what they're doing is stupid, and I agree what they're doing is stupid. But if you haven't lived here and you don't know how much this place, how much this guy means to this place, you don't understand why they're doing it. And if you were here, you would understand. And, and I think that was trying to convey that message was what I remember from that whole thing. And, you know, that was my, like, first year on, on this beat, and it was a very quick indoctrination that prepared me for, for what was to come because I remember covering, the, the, you know, the game in the, in the tournament in Charlotte. I remember staking out, I think it was the following Monday maybe, when they fired him. And waiting around we, the offices all day. Yeah, waiting around the offices in Stokely for them to come out, and and you know they're they're trying to work out, hash out some of the, uh, you know, the financials and stuff like that with the assistants with Steve Forbes, Jason Shea, those guys. Um, just, I mean, uh, uh, in, all that stuff. Just so I mean, it was just like a get ready because more of it's coming. It's going to be worse. Well, for 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 personal reasons, I'll throw this one in here that would definitely be on the podium for me. Uh, is Bar Knoxville that fight for a couple reasons? Um, one, selfishly, um, you broke it and you got an APS award. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, and also the LSU football game. Thanks for that. I was going to say LSU football game to me is the top game that's got to be on that yeah, list. Yeah, because I, and again, it's a bad memory for Tennessee. Fans, and it, 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 epitom- it epitomized the whole Derek Dooley. Yeah, and tenure. That Bar Knoxville, the way this went down, I'll, I'll I'll give like finally I'll give full disclosure on what happened that night. This is funny. I've told parts of this, but not the you whole thing. You were at Barnoxville. No, but I mean, I got there eventually. <laughs> but I had, I had gone, I was getting ready to go to bed that night, which for me, I have never slept well my entire life. I just can't get to sleep. So basically since high school, um, I've taken Ambien to go to sleep most nights because I just, I don't sleep. Like I've got, when I was a kid, a baby, like I never slept. And so I got, had already taken one and I was getting ready to fall asleep. And I got a call saying, hey, why don't you come to Bar Knoxville? It was a, a, like a buddy. And I said, you couldn't pay me to go to that hellhole. Like, no, I'm in bed. I'm getting ready to go to sleep. And this like, is an establishment that, after it was named Bar Knoxville, was named Rumors. With, with, a, a Z. with a Z. Rumors. <laughs> and so someone said, you need to get to Bar Knoxville. I said, you couldn't pay me to go to that hellhole. And they went, no, you don't understand. There are 30 cop cars and about 30 Tennessee football players here. Get your behind to Bar Knoxville, and I went, oh, oh. So I get dressed, immediately find any caffeine I can find in the house, start chugging it, because I was like, oh, God, I can't fall asleep during this. I can't fall asleep during this. And so I get up, 
God knows, probably wearing on gym shorts and a t-shirt, just hurried over there. And the first person I talked to is the wife, the like co-owner, her wife and her husband owned it. And in her first sentence of me asking her a question, she admitted to like 30 secondary NCAA violations when she said, I don't know why they caused this fight. We, we let them in for free all the time. It's like, oh God. So that's already not very good. And just that whole, like hearing people's stories eventually of like, you know, and, and the players who did that, by the way, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly. I think I alluded to it before. There was a racial slur thrown at one of the players, which led to, you know, because if when you walk into football players, basketball players, and like Marines and Army guys, that's the groups that you do not fight one in a bar. You get in a fight with one, you're fighting every football player, basketball player, baseball player, service men, service woman in the bar because cops, like they are getting together and they are fighting. And so there was some sort of an incident, a racial slur was thrown at a player, and then that led to this whole big, nasty, drunk kerfuffle. And I remember, like, hearing stories about players, like, hiding in the bushes, <laughs> trying to run away. I remember uh, basically one player uh, who was not there, Marcellus Teague, was not at the fight. He was just, like, down the street, like, in his dorm. And he heard what happened, and he walks over, and he, just, like, he clearly just got out of bed. He was in, like, a tank top and shorts or something, like gym shorts and sandals. And someone was like, bro, you weren't here. Go home right now. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And, like, immediately turns around and goes back home so he's not involved because, like, he would have been tossed in there because nobody would have said, by the way, he wasn't here because no one would have believed that because half of the team was there. So that whole night for me, was nuts. And because I got a call, because that buddy was at Bar Knoxville when it happened. And so it said, hey, you come to Bar Knoxville. I was like, I'm not going that hellhole. Why are you there? And that, that, that was that whole. So basically, selfishly, ha, 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 I won an APSC on Ambience. <laughs> so that's, the, that's, the, that's the story. What there. time did you have to file a story? Did you get one online that night? Yeah, like 3 or 4 a.m., whatever yeah. it was. Whew. It was a, that, was a, that was an interesting, interesting night, that one. That one for me goes on the podium just because of how crazy that whole thing was. And like that made me forget about like, you know, uh, the pilot cheeseburger hold up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with new keys, new keys, the pahokee pellet, and uh, which I caught in the pahokee pellet before that happened. And I was like, "Oh wait!" And then they used a pellet gun. <laughs> that's that's ironic. Mike Edwards, uh, Jansen, yeah, Jansen Jackson, and all that. Mike Edwards, you forgot about him. Yeah, just late future future Hawaii star Mike Edwards. Yeah, so in future he's in jail for murdering someone, Jansen Jackson. Yeah, so that that may have been a that may have been the red Thanks. herring for how things were going with his his life. Anything that. else that's got to be in the top five here? I'm I mean, trying to throw one good thing. We, we got to we got to throw it at least like a a game or two. For me, uh, I'll throw a few things up there. One, um, I think the beating Florida twice and Texas early in Bruce's tenure, being in Knoxville for that. Uh, Skylar McBee, the shot that beat Kansas. I was going to say the Kansas game. They had that seven game. scholarship players that game. And then because the guys had been suspended and stuff, right? And, and then that Forgetting team about Memphis. And then yeah, oh, the Memphis won yeah. two game, unbelievable. And the 
the fight that a couple of those guys from each of those teams got into in a bar Tennessee, months later. Tennessee was ranked. <laughs> which is just another great story for another day. Tennessee was ranked number one in the country in basketball. Yeah. That's, that More is like three bonkers. days. And, yeah. and, I, and I'm going to put, I'm gonna put uh, the, to wrap it up with basketball, I'm going to put last year winning the SEC title on there, the final five minutes, of that or final four or five minutes of that Georgia game were insane. Yeah. Just that whole crowd. I mean, Rick Barnes has been coaching for a long time and said that day it was unbelievable how special that environment was. And it, you know, he, he basically compared it to like Fog Allen and, you know, Cameron and all these other crazy places that day. And it was just un- unbelievable. Uh, for football, I will put. It's got to be the Hail Mary for me. The Georgia Hail Mary is up there for me. The final yep. four minutes of that game was just ridiculous. I'm going to put Georgia up there ahead of it, but I've also got to put a bad one in there. I think the game at Florida uh, that end, ended on the final play also is probably right yeah, behind those, it. For those me. two crappy teams, though. They were. Even, in, even in the moment, you're like, oh, yeah, the. Yeah, any of those teams were really that good. Yeah. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> and you knew that at the time, but it was still as bizarre of an ending as I've as I've seen. Yeah, and I'll throw back to a couple of other football games. I'm not sure people, a lot of people will remember these, but the six overtime win over Arkansas. I will throw on there because it was the longest game in Tennessee history. And I'll never forget that game only went to overtime because uh, there was a guy in Tennessee's secondary named Julian Battle who was kind of ahead of his time with his versatility. He was on this vanguard of guys who can play everywhere on the back end. He could play corner, safety, nickel, everywhere. Matt Jones. And he, he was just unreal <laughs> how many different places that, that he played in the back end. Um, but on one play, he was lined up at one of those positions but for some reason he had like he did the assignment of the other position on that play. So long story short, he forgot where he was and Matt Jones ran right by him. And I remember because the final five minutes would go down to the field and it looked like Tennessee was about to win that game and Arkansas hadn't been doing much. And so I I was like, you make the calculated decision. Do I go down now or do I wait till after the game? Because you have to make that decision at the five minute mark. Am I going down now or am I waiting till after the game? Every beat writer, everyone, usually for our staff, we determine who's going down and who's staying up. And we usually do it both ways. And whoever writes the game or stays up and, you know, whatever. And so I remember walking down the stairs to like go down to the field and watching that play happen. Like I turned the corner and there goes the Arkansas receiver with no one within 20 or 30 yards of him. And I went, oh, wow. So that just happened. And so, boom, the game goes to overtime and then – Clawson throws a pass to Jason Witten. Everybody remembers kind of a walk-off touchdown. There was, and, 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 there was, and the field goal that had been blocked, but to still hit the yeah. upright or still hit the crossbar yeah. and went in. That the, one. The on-the-field crazy game for me was Texas A&M 2016. Because, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, Grant, I think you and I went down on the field at the same time. Were you there? Yeah, mm-hmm. you were. I was down there, too. And it was We were in the elevator when Trevor Knight Trevor goes as for it was a touchdown what, they to had just, yeah, 14 it was, or something. Tennessee just pulled a seven. They had all the momentum. You're like, yeah, here they go again. They were like the zombie balls that time. You can't kill them. They're going to come back and, you know, do all this crazy stuff. And then, yeah, you think at that point the game's over, and then they still come back and tie it. They had the the missed field goal. The unbelievable defensive play to force the fumble. Yeah, the the Malik Foreman play. Just an unreal play to, to, to cover that much ground, showing his speed and then punching the ball Conservative Butch out. Jones not going for two when he absolutely should have gone for two. He Even also I lost said Oklahoma, in the moment. Oklahoma and Florida for doing that. The standard football chart. Um, that would have been a gutsy call. But see, if he would have done it and it would have worked out, I still think people would have commended him for it. But you know. And the last one I'll throw on here because there, are, my goodness, there are so many games we could throw on. I was here. not on the field for the hail mary though. I was up in I was up in the box. Yeah, because that game it had tr- 
it had traded so many punches in the final few yeah. minutes. And Tennessee was down seventeen nothing that game. Everybody forgets that they have the the Jalen Hurd play yeah. at the goal line. It was like it was like both teams were like zombies. You couldn't kill them. It was just unbelievable that game. It was everybody thought it was over when uh, Malik Foreman had the interception on the. Side I know, yeah. And then he toe tapped. And then two minutes later, he has the, just the start. And then the two minutes later, he lets the guy get behind him. And yeah. gives look, look what an um, what an unbelievable <laughs> throw that was, though. Let's just give credit for my the, current Washington quarterback. My goodness, he's a Washington, right? God, that was a beautiful throw. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah, he yes. is. Okay. And then our last football game I'll throw on here that I don't know. A lot of people will remember this, certainly. Um, Tennessee, any, ten, any Tennessee fan aged probably 30 or 25, 20 and up will remember this. Uh, the five-overtime win at Alabama was one of the craziest games I've covered because that game had the fourth and Phaeton play, which, again, I'm going to take some credit for that. I called it that first. Uh, it was a Tennessee. They were in second, the second overtime there, facing like a fourth and nineteen. Game was surely over. It's a fourth and nineteen. Yeah, you just go into like a little bit of a prevent or whatever. You play some three deep or something, keep everything in front of you, and and you're going to win the game. Usually that game ends on an interception once you get to that situation because yes. you got to throw it up past the marker yes. something. But but Rick Cla- or Casey Clawson, who was the best road quarterback I've ever covered, dude was ice cold, uh, and I mean that in a good way. Makes an unbelievable throw. To C.J. Phaeton, current VFL, new VFL director, C.J. Phaeton, uh, to get the first down on a fourth and 19 play. And then that game ends in the fifth overtime with Jason Allen, Alabama native, getting the pass breakup in the end zone to win the game. And and Jason Allen is from Alabama. Bama wanted him so bad. But this was when Tennessee would go to Alabama and get guys like Swain, get guys like, um, you know, uh, Aaron Sears, get guys like, um, you know, Jason Allen, unbelievable players. And he, like, knowing the Bama guy that went and did that uh, to, to win that game, that was a crazy, crazy game. And, you know, you remember the cigar smoke in the locker room. And all there, I mean, I, I could really do a three-hour podcast. Could probably write a book talking about all the crazy games and crazy things that we've seen. Because think about this. There are so many things that have happened that we have either glossed over or not mentioned. Oh, yeah. And we'll be reminded of them in the comments, I'm sure. So here's the, here's the final thing. Now that I'm going to get married and calm down in my life, will Tennessee calm down now? You know, you got Old Blue Eyes. Because here's what happened. Old Blue Eyes, Philip Fulmer, is back. Yep. And when he left, that started all the craziness. And I know yep. he's technically been back in an advisory role. I get it, yada, yada, yada. However, he's back yep. now officially as an AD – and with that being said, do things. So Fulmer comes back. I get married. Yeah. Does do things calm down now? Will, I, th- will this will this reverse the Rucker rule? Will this reverse the Fulmer curse? The reversal of both of those things at the same time. Oh man! Could the stars align? I hadn't thought of that. And things will get normal now. Yeah, I mean, you, you make a good point. Most of these things we've discussed have been from the past decade. I mean, uh, you had some crazy games before then, but not really that many crazy things off the field that happened before 2008. So I I tend to think so. I, I think Fulmer will finally prevent I mean, you had Dave Hart there for a few years, but it still didn't settle things down entirely. But I think Philip Fulmer finally, assuming he sticks around for as long as he envisions doing it, I think he does provide some stability, and Tennessee kind of gets gets its footing back a little bit, at least. I think this, you know, the basketball program's already taken that turn. Rick Barnes has stabilized things there finally, and yeah, I think you've gotten to a point where football 
there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel, but they still have the hard work to do with Jeremy Pruitt to, to get back there. So, yeah, I think they stabilize things a bit and things sort of return to s- – it looks like a school that knows what it's doing within a few years maybe. I don't know. I got I to gotta see it to believe it. I mean, it's it's – if it's I, one thing, if it goes, if it if it was going on for five years, but we're we're talking like ten years. Now. I know, yeah. but you think, but here's what I'm saying, Pat. The two of the things, the administration above him is still not stabilized. That's of, one problem. Two of the things that are causing that have caused perhaps a lot of this, you know, the former curse is one, and then the much lesser known but just as potent Rucker rule. <laughs> West, Did, I think you're giving yourself too much credit. Wes just took credit oh. for the craziness that's happened at Tennessee. Well, no. I mean, you well, look- no, how many guys have been around and covered all of it? There's, that just means you're there's old. There's like, th- what, three of us maybe yeah, who have covered all of it? just a few. That just means you're old. And one of them is having a major life-changing event. So mm-hmm. does this... I'm just saying... The other it, guys have had kids and stuff. I'm sure listen, they've gotten married and it hasn't changed anything. There's circumstantial evidence that suggests things could be calming down for Tennessee now. Well, I mean, I, I come on to the basketball beat during you know it, that tumultuous season and yeah. then go through thing with Conzo, the Donnie Tyndall thing, and then the year I leave the basketball beat is the year that they go from being picked thirteenth in the league to winning the SEC. So, so you were the you're curse. welcome, Falls. You were the curse. First of all, <laughs> uh, if we're going to take credit for things that you know we should not be taking credit for, Wes, uh, I'm going to do that first of all. But no, I mean, I, you know, hey, this this podcast was designed maybe for with this in mind, and it was. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about this right now, not my idea. To do this one, so yeah. Well, it's always Ryan's fault, but um, take always. that. I mean, if you want to look at it, you know, what were the first two things, or what were the sort of the two things we all would, I think, agree would be in our top two or three? The Kiffin press conference. The Kiffin press conference and this most recent coaching search. Yep. So if you start with one super crazy, ridiculous, absurd thing, and then you have another super crazy, absurd, ridiculous thing, maybe that you know, maybe the can, you know, it's it's been closed now. The can we, of crazy. Maybe we almost we, we, shut we, we, we down didn't even now. mention the trash can. We did not even mention. Oh man! Which still, and, and you know, we have one up here. We have a a, a framed picture of what we called the Go Balls twenty four seven Team Seven trash can. And even though Butch Jones is gone, we are going to also have a Go Balls twenty four seven Team Eight trash can for this it, season, and it will be updated because we have a new tradition. Now. If if Tennessee's like staff equipment people were were hilarious they should like create one that he would have and then leave it on alabama sideline in october i just remember dooley's orange dog oh my goodness <laughs> what, what the hell <laughs> <laughs> you gotta feed the orange dog feed the positive There's energy so many things oh, the, it was it, like, the energy bus <laughs> hold on we did are you a fountain or are you a drain <laughs> we didn't even discuss the mo- it's it's related to the coaching search directly, but the info dump that came this year uh, yeah. as a re- related maybe to that's the, coaching the end search, of it. Maybe that's the end that of might it. have been that might have been them purging all of the <laughs> all of their Jeez. demons that they've dealt with for the past decade. But that was insane. <laughs> that night, I was thinking like, okay, Tennessee, I, I, I'm a member of the press here, so I, I love full disclosure. But maybe I should have left a couple of those things under wraps. We, we had just <laughs> we had just done a just, po- just a thought. We know. had just done a podcast that night, and I get an email. Wes, you and I got the email. I guess they emailed us as our as their representatives. Yeah, I was like, I'm driving. What is all this? And then like we're like, I guess it, just, it looks like it's a bunch of like document. It looks like a bunch of correspondence and stuff and emails and stuff from Curry. And then you started like go through it, and you're just like. And then you open it, and and to quote Dooley, oh, my God, the invasion is coming. I mean, (laughs) one of the documents was 600 pages long of of John Curry's text messages. But, like, 
500 pages of it were just after fans. his number got out. Yeah. <laughs> fans started texting him. <laughs> and there were like group threads yeah. of fans that weren't even talking about Tennessee's uh, coaching search. Another game we haven't even But that were just they were just talking about like fantasy football and like other games and they were just like talking and I guess they just included his number on there just to I don't know, but it was just Another game that will not be a positive memory for Tennessee fans, but I think it has to be mentioned and it gets lumped in with all the other craziness of the Derek Dooley era. Tennessee lost to Kentucky playing a wide receiver at quarterback. That's like PlayStation stuff. It wasn't even I, a good I, game to watch. I still think the LSU game was the epitome. Oh, it was. It absolutely was. Being but there for that Kentucky game, the the indelible mem- memory or, or image that, that will stay with me forever. And I actually, you know what? There is a small part of me. There is a part of me that felt really happy for Kentucky fans because that was an inconsequential game for Tennessee. It yeah. didn't matter. Now it did in the streak, so it, it did have yeah. consequences. Kept them from going to a bowl game, and it was the beginning of the end of, of the Dooley era. But really, at the end of the day, for Tennessee, it, is it? You know, I mean, in the history of Tennessee football, man. But for Kentucky, man, uh, there was a guy. This week he was. I don't know if he was in his. 70s or 80s. He certainly looked like he was in his 70s or 80s. Either that or he was in his 50s or 60s and had lived a hell of a hard life. Uh, but anyway, he had an oxygen mask. Like, you know, like the oxygen tank, like the thing mm-hmm. up your nostrils. And so he was holding this oxygen tank in one hand that was feeding it. In the other hand, he was ripping up parts of the field and the shrubs outside of the, like, like the field. And just tears were streaming down his face. Because that that memory, I'll never forget. This is how much this means to people. This, and people think about Kentucky as you know basketball school. There's a, I've always said Kentucky football and Tennessee basketball fans. Neither one gets the credit they deserve for being. And I think Tennessee's basketball case a really, really, really good fan base, and Kentucky football's case a, a pretty decent fan base that doesn't get enough credit because it's in the SEC and it, it looks kind of like the, the ugly stepsister at times, but. And so there's, a, there's a lot of good Kentucky football fans, and watching that guy and just how much that meant to him, and, and thinking of uh, my grandmother, who's a you know from Hazard, Kentucky. She's a, she's actually my grandmother was a Kentucky Colonel, and how much that you know meant to her, and my uncle, my uncles, the great uncles who live up there in my family, and how much that meant to them, and just how much this this is why. I do what I do, and this is why I think a lot of us do what we do, is because you get to see moments in time like that. You get to cover stories like Lucas Taylor, the Tennessee wide receiver, who his family in Louisiana was so poor, so poor, that he didn't have a phone. When I did a story on him, I had to call his neighbor, who then went and got his mom on the phone. That's how poor they were. And he was an all-state quarterback in Louisiana, but a wide receiver who ended up going to, I think, Georgia Southern or somewhere else, or or one of the small Louisiana schools, a wide receiver called the plays in the huddle because Lucas Taylor's speech impediment was such that he could not get the play out quickly enough in the huddle and loudly enough. And a lot of people on the beat, and I'm not calling them out because a lot it's easy to assume this, thought Lucas Taylor was dumb. Because if you just talk to him, you would go, Man, that's just not a very smart kid. He's well, the, one of those poor Louisiana kids. He's not very smart. The speech impediment got in the way that it, w- it wouldn't give you a great answer a lot of times. Yes, yes. And I remember thinking one time, you know what? I was a one-man band at the time, and so I wasn't going to get everything anyway that everybody else was getting on during all these interviews. And Lucas Taylor was just sitting there. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go talk to the guy. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to talk to him for a long period of time, extended, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and just see what happens. And, it was, and, and that opened the floodgates for that whole story. 
And you realize that when he was in a one-on-one setting, if you were patient enough to listen to him, he was a smart kid. And he ended up getting his college degree. And he came from a family where a lot of people didn't even finish high school. Just poor, hand-to-mouth Louisiana folk trying their best to get by day-to-day. And he changed the trajectory of his entire family by getting a college degree. Things like the Kentucky fan that day, things like Lucas Taylor, that's why I do what I do. It's for those kinds of things. And for the crazy crap you've seen at Tennessee for 10 years. Yes, <laughs> I agree. But, I mean, we all have stories like this, don't we? I mean, well, just yeah. crazy to me, it's, things to me, memorable it's, things. To me, it's just like little things. And, I, and we had a thread about this on our board last week about, you know, we always get asked a lot, like, you know, are we fans? Why aren't we fans? How are you not fans? You know, because the four of us all went to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we were all, you know, the students that were sitting in the stands during the game. I didn't, I didn't do any of the Beacon stuff that, that y'all did. So, um, but like just the little reminders that you know these guys are college kids that we cover. I mean, yeah, they're just like we all were. You know, we all were college kids. We all remember what that was like. You know, being eighteen and you know not having like you know a care and like you know fans. I think get this macro view of these guys that they're like these football players, and that's like that's what that's all that they are. That's all that they do. But then, you know, it's it's been, you know, it's cool to see guys that you cover from, you know, when they were recruits. And <clears throat> I remember going to see, and I've, I've told you all this story, so I apologize for bringing it up again, but going to see Dobbs right after he signed because he didn't do hardly any. He was a late, you know, they got on him late. He didn't do many interviews. Ryan, you remember that? Just flipped on signing day. Just flipped on signing day really quietly, you know, didn't have a big ceremony at his school. And so, like, two weeks later I went down there and, and talk to him, and he's a skinny kid in this, like, letter jacket that was way too big, and, you know, he's talking about airplanes, and he wants to do this and that, and, you know, he could have gone to the Ivy League to play baseball, and, and then you see this guy, you know, a few months later, he's play, he's going into the Alabama game, and then you see him become probably one of the greatest, like, ambassadors uh, of this university, and just see him, you know. Could be the mayor one day if you want to. Yeah, I mean, people, a, a guy that Tennessee fans will go down, you know, he's one of, probably a, you know, Tennessee fan favorite. You know, except for the morons that think he wasn't a good quarterback, which clearly last year proved that he was, you know, yeah, yeah, the band aid that saved Butch's Jones, Butch Jones's bacon a lot of times. And, 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 and you could see stuff like that. You could see guys like Derek Barnett go and, you know, just this, the way he was wired. And you could see, a, you could know, cover a great player like that. You could cover an Alvin Kamara. Yeah, that that's you. You mentioned a good one, seeing uh, Marlon Walls and guys like that get yeah, the I mean, 2013 you, you, South Carolina. Yeah, game. you're on the field. You know, when Michael Plardy kicks that field goal, and you got guys that are just like, you know. They've never experienced a game like this or a win like this, and they've yeah. been through so much crap. Where, you know, they were, you know, some of those guys, Marlon Walls, some of those other guys were there when, you know, the the Dooley and Kiffin and, and all that stuff, and you know, they get a, to experience a, minute, a moment like that. And a personal favorite of mine, Wes Brown, one of the ultimate Walls, yeah. getting an interception return for a touchdown in his final home game, and what was otherwise a pretty crappy year for Tennessee. And, and, his, and his best friend Chris Walker, right there to celebrate it with yeah. him, like because he was also on the field at the time. Yeah, and it's just little things like that where you kind of get to, you know, you get to see these guys in a different light than. Uh, you know, a lot of people do. And so that's, you know, I don't want to say rewarding, but, like, that's a part of the job that makes you appreciate the job, even though there are a lot of parts of the job where, you know, yeah, it's hard and it's challenging. and you Covering know. all of this crap is crazy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I mean, like, the coaching search, you're, you know, I just remember sitting on at my computer that Sunday, you know, publishing stories about Shiano and just being like, you know, if we had people on our board that were like, I'm done, I'm canceling. It's like, you know, our numbers are going to plummet. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what's going to happen with the site? You know, what's going to happen? You know, all this stuff. And you're just like, you're thinking about your own future. And then you're sitting there 
with a blank stare, like, hello, darkness, yeah. my old friend. There's just like <laughs> there, There's three people I'll mention here because we all, you know, we do our best, uh, and our goal is always to tell whole truth, nothing but the truth, you know, be objective, tell people what's going on. However, at the end of the day, we are all human beings, and it is impossible for everyone to be completely unbiased all the time. It's just it's human nature. You you can and, tell and, both and sides you, of the story. And you want people, you want to see people that are good people succeed. Yes, and, and there are three people I'll mention here because I, I always say there are people that I've met covered at Tennessee who would be a friend, would be a great friend in life. However, there's a line I don't cross because I cover them. And there's just, you know, you're like, okay, I, got, I just got to cover you here. Like, you know, if you do something stupid, you know, I got to ride it. But there are three people I'll mention here. One is, is Jason Swain, who I covered when he was a player at Tennessee. Always liked the guy. And then he ends up going to the NFL, but not for very long because of his need that he messed up at Tennessee. And he ends up coming back to town, finishes his, his degree, does radio, and he and I do radio show together. And now he's like my brother. And he is almost like family. We're so close because we did the show together. You know, our families are close. Like, it's just, he, he's a guy who, you know, became a friend. Uh, another one that I'll mention uh, is Wayne Chisholm, who, when just so many great, hilarious stories throughout the years, I could do an entire podcast on just Wayne Chisholm stories. Waffle House. Waffle House, getting the team in trouble for throwing biscuits into the ceiling fan during dinner. All sorts, you know, sh- practicing in pink pajama pants. Just all kinds of things that were just pure Wayne Chisholm all the time. But when he found out, uh, he you know, had been out of the country, and he came back for the Rocky Top League one year. And this was after I'd had the stroke and I was still on my cane. And he walked up and he saw me and was joking. He thought I just hurt my leg or something like that. And he goes, oh, I see the good Lord finally gave you what you deserved. Just joking around. <laughs> and then I started laughing. And he was like, no, really, what was it? And I said, I had a stroke. And he went, no, really, what, like, what happened? I said, Wayne, Wayne I had a stroke. And all, like... Basically, tears almost came up in his eyes, and he. I had to sit down and like explain to Wayne Chisholm that I was not dying, that I was all right, and just the look on his face, like you know the the kind of person that he is. At, at his core, is just a wonderful, soft human being. He just is, just a big, fun-loving kid, and I'll mer- never forget that. And the other one is. Uh, Conzo Martin, who I made no bones about it, I liked the guy. I do. I think he's a. If I, if everybody that I've ever covered, if I have a son one day who would be good enough to play ball, and at a high level, and I could pick any coach that I've covered for him to go play for, I would pick Conzo Martin because I think he's the best person that I've covered. And he was one of the very first people when I was like in the hospital who found out what happened. I have no idea how he found out. No clue. I didn't tell him. But he found out like before some of my friends and family did or whatever and was like asking to see if I was all right, was talking about coming by like and I just covered the guy and he and I knew all the time I was like, Conzo, you know, I like you, man. But if you're if you do some dumb stuff in a game like, you know, you don't call a timeout when you should or you do when you shouldn't or if you're losing games, you know, I'm going to write that. And he always understood that always did and was just a true pro. But there are just things that you there are people that you like and people that you don't like. And that is human nature and that is unavoidable. But one thing this job has taught me is that there are good people everywhere. There are turds everywhere. And a lot of it's just colors of laundry on top of that. But that, that, and that's how I look at it. But 
at Tennessee. There have been a lot of good people, and there are a lot of good people, a lot of good fans in this community who deserve better than they've gotten for the past decade. They've been amazingly loyal. They've bounced back every time. And even though a good chunk of that fan base probably would not pee on me if I were on fire, I have nothing but the absolute respect for this fan base. And I know that, yes, they are crazy. Yes, some of them go overboard. But that shows their passion. It does. And they deserve better. Losing is a disease. It makes you sick. And these people are incredibly sick because this place deserves to do better. If, you know, let's let's be honest. Like, we if, – if Tennessee fans and, and just sports fans in general didn't have as much passion and energy and, and devoted so much of that and their money to – the teams that they follow, yes, we would be out of we would be out of work. I'd be because they would. I'd, I'd be clocking in nine, nine to five somewhere. I'd be teach. I'd be teaching. There'd be, there'd, I'd be teaching history. That's what I'd be doing. There'd be no demand for what we do. Um, and so, I mean, you mentioned Conzo. He he's like a. It's been tough because like you you know you have a story like that. I remember him texting me out of the blue like a few weeks after I got married, after he had already gone to Cal, and he said, "Hey, congratulations on your wedding." You know, and I'll text him, and you know. Every now and then, over the you know since he's been away from Tennessee, and he'll say, "Hey, I hope you and, uh, and your Jordan, you know, hope you and Jordan are doing well." Jordan's my wife, and like you know, he remembers my wife's name. Like you know, I don't you know, it isn't <laughs> you know that's not something that's just basic human decency right there. Yeah, and, and so and you know, you mentioned the stuff about Chisholm and like them just being goofy college kids. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Like you get you know that these guys are these football players that people view as like you know you hear these. You know, they get bashed on our message board and on Twitter. You got people sending Coleman Thomas, you know, stuff on Twitter about how, how you know, how he's playing. It's like he's just a Cromp, college kid. Crompton. Yeah. Crompton. I mean, these guys are just college kids. I mean, they 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 just, you know, it's just not, you know, you get a different view of it and it makes you appreciate sort of what they do more. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about Conzo before we get out of here is he, um, you know, how close he gets with his players. He routinely called or texted me throughout the rest of his players' career, guys that he had signed at Tennessee, and would call me or text me all the time and say, how's Josh doing? Josh Richardson, who's just another one of the unbelievable kids that we've gotten the, the opportunity to cover. But he, he respected the fact that that was no longer his player, but he so he didn't want to step over the line and like contact him, but he wanted very badly to know how he was doing. like Not just how he was doing on the court, because he could watch those games, but like how he was doing... You know, was he happy, basically? Was he all right? Like, was he good with the transition and everything? That that kind of stuff. Like, you see people and how much, you know, there's so many. God, I could talk about Nick Trail forever. Oh, the, yeah. The former, you know, Tennessee manager who Fulmer gave the speech about him and Terrific leading everybody guy. through the tee and one of the most wonderful human beings you'll ever see. The, the people like that behind the scenes at the, the Tennessee program and I'm sure every program has these stories. In fact, I know they do. But there are a lot of reasons why, despite all of this insanity. That you have covered and seen. Yeah, and all of us have, Yeah, basically. Yeah. I'm just the oldest, but y'all have seen plenty of stuff in the past decade, too. And, right. and why we kind of keep, why we deal with it. <laughs> you know, why, why we don't go crazy. And it's because we're very blessed to do what we do. And the people who subscribe to Go Balls 24-7 are a huge part of that. Thank you. Uh, I know y'all don't always love us, but you put food on my table. And basically, you keep the lights on in this house. You allow me to pay for the insurance that will uh, eventually, at some point in the next forever, fix the half of this house that has been destroyed by water. Uh, you know, th there's just 
there's a lot of good people and a lot of things to be thankful for. So, including my coworkers, I'll be honest, and what we've built at GoBoss twenty four seven from the ground up from day one. Unbelievable story, unbelievable success story. Thank you, Shan Terry. Thank you, uh, all the people uh, at, at you know the the Pat Foley's and Andy, uh, you know uh, Tim Watts, all the people at twenty four seven. I could go on forever. You know Lonnie Polk, all these people, just good people, and thankful for a lot of this stuff so we've seen some crazy stuff we're going to see some more crazy stuff over the years but you know what beats working for a living it does thanks for tuning in guys lots of lots of fun stuff here i'll be back next week so i'll probably uh, have a sunburn maybe maybe the raccoon eyes with the sunglass tan all that stuff pat any final thoughts nope